as the world churns is better than a soap opera. It's the customer success podcast that will help you avoid all that ridiculous churn melodrama, where every episode is less than 20 minutes. Brought to you by UserIQ, which is creating a world where any business can deliver exceptional customer success. I'm your host, Justin Rubner. Let's go. Data. If you're a liberal arts kind of a person, it's kind of a boring word, isn't it? I mean, what is data? It's just numbers. It's not really real. But something magic happens when data turns into analytics. It turns into insight. Insight you can actually do something with. Yay! When it comes to using analytics and reporting to increase renewals, Guy Rachamin, sorry Guy, I'm probably not doing your last name justice, is over 95% accurate. Guy is a CSM at Israeli SaaS company Linear B, which helps engineers improve productivity. He's also a founding community lead at CS Insider. Let's give it up for Guy. Well, hey, Guy, welcome to the show. We're talking about analytics, and I think they're pretty cool. So welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Very happy to be here. As probably most listeners know in the CS world, about 80% of future profits comes from 20% of existing customers. So this obviously means that retention is pretty important. And that's where your retention analysis comes in. For this, you need data, obviously or more importantly, insights that reveal trends that incite action, i.e. analytics. Guy, let's start with baselines. Why are these important? And what are some starting points that you have at your company, Linear B? At the beginning, I remember this subject was really interesting to me since Linear B is also, is all about data. So we pretty much, we help engineering teams to get better based on their data. So this is something that we live day to day and we work with our customers also to gain insights from their data. I think it's quite obvious that we would also need to use that data in our day-to-day process as uh, customer success managers, professionals. I think that the data that we are tracking is more related to the product or service itself based on usage, like number of logins, which features create the most engagement, what features are enabled and which ones are not. And also we try to incorporate some other parts that are more of a CSM sentiment that also describes how we feel about our relationship with the champion. So data, I think it's really important to tell the story because if you come to your customer and you want to tell the story, but you can make up the story. Uh, As good as it gets, a made-up story will not get you far. So you have to big it up with data. So I think it's really obvious in the onboarding process when you come to a new customers and you want to set goals for improvement. So in the very beginning, you need to set some baseline and have data surrounds it. And you have to be able to measure that to be able to show the return of investment for your customers when you will have the future calls for about renewals and retention. What are some baselines that you use? The baseline that we use for tracking the customer engagement is logins for the product, usage in different features, the enablement of more advanced features. And I think this is the bulk of the baseline that we track in the way we do it. Okay, cool. 
So when we talk about data, sometimes it's this data versus human insight argument. Do you feel that hunches and data are at odds? Or maybe do you think that uh, in the right hands, they can work uh, well with each other? So I really believe this is like uh, two parts of one bigger picture. Because if you're going to only look at data, it will not tell you the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I can share like from my previous experience that I had customers that if I only looked at the data, they looked amazing. But then again, you can be surprised one day out of nowhere, they're going to tell you, hey, we are looking at different vendors or we are not very happy or I don't see any, uh, any value. Uh, from the product. But the data shows they're happy. Yeah, the data shows differently. So I think only counting on data to tell you the whole story might sometimes lead you to not the most accurate places. And then again, only looking at hunches, I think it will go even worse because if you just like, I think I believe that customer X is happy Mm -hmm. because with hunches, when you start a sentence with, I feel like, or I believe that. So in order to have the complete picture, you need to incorporate both data and your hunches. Let's call it like that. But also hunches are not coming out of the blue. Hunches can be derived from how often you meet with your champion, how keen he or she is with jumping on a call with you. Is it hard to get the response? Do they attend webinar or events that are being held? Or a company, do they agree to take part in case studies or talk to marketing or referring to other customers or prospects? And I think another subject that is worth highlighting is also the number of feature requests. So, you know, feature requests can sometimes be, uh, I wouldn't want to say a drag, but if you get a lot of them, it sometimes can make you feel that maybe they're not so happy. Or they could be really engaged. Or, yeah. And to the other hand, I tend to see to look at that they're really engaged. They care for your service or product. They want to make it better. And they also want to make it more suitable for their use case so they would gain more value. So this is another like really important aspect because I prefer a customer that is asking repeatedly for feature requests than a silent customer the more healthy one is the one that is requesting the yeah, if you're if you're a power user there's always something you're going to want to yeah totally yeah totally okay i presume at linear b you have a crm solution like salesforce or hubspot or yeah. something right mm-hmm. and yeah, then correct. you have a cs solution and mm-hmm. some people want to track info in both and i hear this a lot is there a single point of truth and how do you get all the data from your crm and your cs solution And which one do you trust? And how do you make decisions on sometimes disparate data like this? Yeah, so for instance, for us, our CS tracking solution integrates with our CRM solution that integrates with the product. And I think that's the beauty of uh, of SaaS. In my previous company, I was working in, in a platform as a service. And I remember struggling very hard to gain visibility on what's going on on the customer end because you are really dependent on engagement and you cannot really see what is going on and you're jumping on calls and for the most cases you will not have visibility on your platform and you are depending on what they're sharing or choose to share 
or tell you. So that was a real struggle. Uh, moving into the SaaS realm, uh, where you have this great world of automations and integration. Integration. So, yeah. yeah, so you can pretty much get it all in one place. And we also use like a third party tool to gain like further, like in deeper dive insights on specific parts of uh, our service. Well, that's good to hear. Let's get into health scores. So how do health scores play into your efforts for retention? How do you use health scores in your retention analysis and how are they good and where maybe do you see limitations in them? As we mentioned earlier, so a health score can tell you a story, but I don't think they can tell you the entire story. When you build your health score, this is an ongoing effort where you try to make it always to make it better and improve and more accurate. So you have parts that rely on usage and, and logins and feature enablements and so on and so forth. Sentiment too? Yeah. And, and the other end, you also have a CSM sentiment part in that. I think it tells a good story, but you can never rely on that on 100%. And I think this is where the role of a good customer success that is manager that is proactive, uh, approaching the customer, always reiterating, always asking to see, do you get the value you want to get from our product? Can I help you maybe to shed some light on best practices with using? Because we are supposed to be our product or service experts. And we are also experts on how helping other people to use our product. So combining these two uh, values together, that's the missing part in health score. What was the missing part of the health score? It's something that is it's still ongoing basis. You need to refine it and you need to make it more accurate. Mm-hmm. And I think that only through trial and error, you can see like examples like, hey, I see like a customer with, he's using, he's not happily jumping on calls, maybe he's too busy, maybe, you know, he's like, there are people who like to be self-served and like to use help docs and figure out their own, they're like hands-on. But when it comes to renewal, they're like, they will renew and they will expand and everything looks good. And on the other hand, you can have surprises that health scores are good. And then you hear that customers are not very happy. In the vast majority, from my experience so far, usually the customers that are considered healthy will renew and we will retain them. So uh, I think we get it right, maybe 95% of the time, but you do have to keep on reiterating to make it more accurate, but only from trial and error and from, you know, collecting stories. And I think this is the great part of like, you know, sharing information with your peers and having like an open discussions and asking questions. I'm a great believer in asking questions. Like, why do we set like a certain score? Like, why is it 10% and not 20%? Why do we believe that? Are you talking like, about weighing the scores? Yeah, I'm talking about weighing the scores, like mm-hmm. CSM sentiment. Like, what part should it be? Because this is a hunch. I think the end game or like the most important question is, do I believe that this customer will renew or not? How uh, do you guys weigh your health scores? We have a part that is more... Uh, tracking the usage and the number of logins and enabled features and connecting the different integrations. 
and we have a CSM sentiment uh, part. And I can tell that the CSM sentiment is not as as big as uh, the usage and adoption and the setup. Let's call it but that. it's still important. It's still very is important because I don't think a sentiment can come really in play when when the product or service is not all set up and they have you know all the tools and they're ready to go and use because you know if, if the product is going to sit there and no one is going to set it up so this is already like a flag that should be raised and this is already a problem in day one or in day 30 that you need to start working and thinking how to re-engage and how to make your champion set up the, the product or service can you think of a time guy where analytics told a different story than you perceived and you kind of alluded to it earlier and how did that cause you to change your tactics i can share from my experience this is from my previous company so we were working with a customer and we had a really difficult time in getting on calls and integrating and it was a platform as a service and you know all the signs and all the data and pretty much everything told us this is not going to work. Eventually, in some magic way, maybe that magic wand from the other question came into play and we managed to plug it and and start using. I think not a month after, this same customer referred us to like four other prospects, which was like a huge surprise for me. I would never imagine. And this specific champion left his previous company And when he transitioned to a different role, he approached me and told me, I also want to work with you in my new place. (laughs) And so, you know, came out of the blue, like everything in my book, time to value, um, integrations, training, it all like didn't check out, but that was a complete surprise. And that made me think that you have to sometimes take yourself out from the data because I think we are get we're get used to thinking templates because you know we have to do like you know onboarding process and goes on and on. We have like you know the checklist, the things we have to mark. And that really made me think how I try to like move aside from a process and measure it, like see it from the customer's uh, perspective. Uh, because I saw that they want to, but we just had so many difficulties that were like language barrier and culture difference and, and time zone difference and maybe like a technology uh, um, expertise that we're lacking. But we managed to pull through. We didn't give up. And actually, what I think what made the win here, it's the, the relationship I had with the champion. So we established a really good relationship based on trust. And I was able to really help him and guide him through this process. And I think this is what really made the change here. So I think what taught me the situation or experience really taught me to like try to put myself in, you know, my counterpart shoes and, sure. and understand that he also has like, you know, his managers and he needs to report to, he has his task, he has yeah. to like, he has to bring the goods. And this really helped me just, it's like flip the switch. And I think it made me a better professional and maybe also a better person. Guy, all right. So if you had a magic wand, what would you do to create data insights analytics about something that does not exist right now? Yeah, so I think that 
is a very good question. I would very much be happy to have this magic one. And I think what could really nail it, the process, it's the CSM sentiment. Mm -hmm. So right now it's only one-sided. I don't have like the exact idea of what's going on on the other hand, because it's my sentiment towards the champion or towards the account and not vice versa. And of course we have, we have NPS, we have CSAT, but I don't think it really nails it down. So if I had this magic wand and I could ask this magic wand, hey, calculate some formula, how quick does he open my emails? Okay. How often he read my Slack messages? How often he signs up to webinars that we send? How often he registers yeah. as a beta tester yeah. to new features? Is he following me on LinkedIn? Is he yeah. engaging with my post on LinkedIn? Is These he following me on Twitter? Yeah. And so I think being able to nail down CSM sentiment, and sometimes it can be stronger than the data that revolves the, the service or product. Because I think that, you know, SaaS B2B, we're in the people business. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like we're talking tech and we're talking solution and value and retention and renewals and return on investment. But in the end, this is people business. And being able to form that relationship with your champion and being able to engage with them and to celebrate their achievements, their company achievements, I don't know, help them with the job search or referring someone you think is suitable for to work in their, in their organization. And I think this is the next level of, yeah. of being able to take the CSM sentiment and really make it valid. I really like the idea of incorporating email and Slack open rates. I could see how that could be a really, because there's some vendors, everything they send, I open. And there's other vendors that I work with that I never open, you know, and that's probably a yeah. really good indicator of, of churn. Uh, that's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we asked the same line of questions to every guest and this may be presumptive, but do you watch American TV in Israel? Uh, yeah, we do. Okay, good. So to that vein, if someone made a soap opera out of your life, who would, <laughs> who would play you and why? And I already have an idea, but I want to hear, oh, I want to hear your actor. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. I think I, I want to hear what you're saying. Uh, this, is, this is really interesting. <laughs> and, and this can, is really interesting. I was thinking Colin Farrell. Really? Why yeah. is that? I don't know. Just, uh, I guess, looks and uh, demeanor. I can see him playing you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like recently I'm watching The Office. Like I'm binging like crazy The Office. Okay. And I think uh, <laughs> I love him. I, like, okay. I wish I would be like as funny as him. Okay. But, uh, but I really like, I really like the flow that like he believes in himself. He like, he doesn't care like what's going on around him. Like he believes he has a mission. He has a mission. Like it, he doesn't always know his mission, but he really believes in himself. And I really, I really like to see it like, throughout the, the episodes and the seasons. And now I'm in, I think I'm in season seven. So I would be happy to have him play. Okay. I wouldn't have seen that, but uh, I, it's a great choice. He's hilarious. Yeah. Always make me laugh. The end of the <laughs> All right, Guy. Well, thanks for being on the show and uh, I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Amazing. Thank you very much for having me. All right. You bet. Like what you heard? Subscribe to As The World Churns on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. See you next time.